All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode two of the Location 1980 podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Ringman, right here. We got Mr. Jesse Fortune. Thanks. Uh, welcome back, guys. And we're still working on that's a working title. We're not quite there yet, but um, we have come so far as to have our first special guest, Miss Lauren Kill Hewlin. Yeah, you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll get into, I guess, why Lauren's here, why she's a special guest. Yeah, well, this is one of our uh, legendary artists that's been with us actually a little longer than I've been here at 1980, who is going to be traveling back to her home country. Where are you from, Lauren? Australia, mate. <laughs> Yeah, she's moving to Perth in about a week, so uh, we had to really get on get on it here to get this interview with her because she's done some pretty amazing work. Well, we're also still recovering from her fifty-hour going away party. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty solid. That's yeah, you could do it, two episodes about that alone, but uh, that needs to stay off the record. Pretty good. Um, to give you guys a recap, if you didn't listen to it last time, or if you just trying to get over that. Also, we told a little bit about Location 1980, what we are, Southern California is uh, one of the most eclectic art collectives. And um, we told a little bit about the spaces we have and the people we've had here and what we do and the shows and stuff like that. And hundreds of artists that have come through and Lauren's one of our favorite artists that have ever stepped foot on the property. But because she's leaving and we have a limited amount of time, it's the perfect time to have her on as a guest. And it's our first guest. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked last time a lot about uh, how creativity takes many different forms. There's so much more than just painting. Uh, artistry comes in all types. And Lauren does some pretty unique stuff. So, I don't know, you want to uh, take us away? I don't know, where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about maybe how you got into 1980? What brought you in here? How'd you find this place? Well, first thing I want to say, that was a bold introduction, so thank you. I'm blushing over here. <laughs> um, I met Jesse in 2015 because I um, was looking for a collaborative art space. Um, I came to the U.S. in 2013 because I had heard about Burning Man and um, decided I also have some family that lives here. My father's from the U.S., and uh, I decided, well, if I'm going to come over and do a road trip and visit family, I will uh, may as well make my uh, intro to the U.S. be Burning Man because it had just started to come on the international radar and, um, you know, I just saw some YouTubes about it and I just thought, well, that sounds really freaking cool. <laughs> so, so you hadn't been to the burn before you came ever to the U.S.? or No, I don't think i'm not sure when the australian regional official regional event started but i hadn't been to anything like that i just heard about the u.s one and i was like i gotta get to that nevada desert so that was like one of your main motivations to come here not just to visit family but right specifically to come those to those two motivations yeah to come go to burning man and then go visit family that's all it takes <laughs> and that definitely unfolded into a journey which i'm sure we'll explore well, in 2015, uh, Eric and I went over a lot of the uh, timelines here last time. It's a little muddy, but we kind of figured it out. Um, 2015 would then be like about halfway since since I've been here. Um, and I also said last time it's really tough for me to remember how exactly when everybody comes and goes because mm-hmm. I'm the one kind of constant. Um, but then as certain stories get told, 
then it kind of hits. And obviously, I was aware of once you were here, um, our relationship. But um, how did you, like, exactly, like, find out about Location 1980 or, like, the physical building? Was it, um, you know, tell us how you actually walked onto the property or even heard about it? Sure, sure. I was actually at a coffee shop in Huntington Beach. Um, my husband works on boats, so I was just, you know, doing the cafe internet thing. And uh, I got chatting with someone across the table and they invited me to an art studio in Long Beach for their birthday party. Um, I didn't know at the time, but the person that owns this art studio is a friend of 1980. I went to that party um, <laughs> basically got my husband to drop me in a dark alleyway and I was like well I think this is the door uh, maybe wait here for five minutes and I'll let you know if it's legit <laughs> so typical art underground scene um, Long Beach is pretty known for it so it was cool to get introduced into that uh, went to the birthday party met, met a bunch of cool artists and um, a friend of mine Steve uh that, well, I met him that night and he said, well, I go to the figure drawing religiously every Wednesday night. Would you like to come along? And I was like, absolutely. That sounds right up my alley. So, uh, yeah, Steve brought me to the figure drawing and um, I met you on a regular Wednesday night. And then now it's been, what, seven years? <laughs> That's awesome. Shout out to the Nakamoras, Steve and Christine Nakamura. Really good friends of the uh, gallery. And... Uh, so now it's it's ringing some bells, but then what took it f uh, forward? Like you were just a guest at the figure drawing, which we've had hundreds. How did you like then take the next step forward? Mm -hmm. Well, once I saw the space and just saw how not only was there an awesome gallery space, but a collaborative art workspace with individual studios for different artists, not just painters, but... Um, you know, sculpture, sound, audio people, um, cinematography, photography. I was like, this is where I need to be. I just knew. And I remember because I had been to Burning Man at that point and I had birthed the idea for my art project, which I'm sure we'll get into. And I was look actively looking for a space to start building that in the following year. And um, so I remember, I think I maybe even asked about the studios on the first night we met um, but if not I, it was definitely when I came back you know I kept coming back to the drawing and felt the vibe of the place and just absolutely fell in love everyone is so friendly here and it was just always a good time I saw, I'm wondering uh, can you your memory is definitely better than mine can you jog our memory who was else around so so when you um inquired about this space did you get it right away or was there a moment where like you're almost in and you and Luke went on a trip that's right and then you circle back around but do you remember like I'm just curious like who were some of the artists here because I have I couldn't I couldn't piece it together unless you could tell me um I know for sure Ethan Ramberg was here in this very studio actually yes. <laughs> um right. that we're in right now and um yeah, I guess I was just coming to the Wednesday nights then, so I didn't, I wasn't too familiar with the actual artists in the studios. Um, there was, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but there was somebody doing yoga in the gallery. Um, uh, who else? Yeah, but I kind of, I was here maybe coming to the Wednesday nights for maybe five weeks, maybe five or six times I came. And then um, I had, 
asked, inquired about the studio and put down a deposit and all of a sudden, because I was working on boats at the time doing, a, doing the stewardess gig and uh, we got offered this really good opportunity to travel across the country in our van and had an all expenses paid trip. And I just remember coming up to you and being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like it, something's just kind of happened and unfolded in life and it's not going to line up, but you know, can you keep the deposit and I'll, um, you know, I'm definitely going to circle back around and make this work. It's just not lining up at this moment. So you were all geared up to do it and then you guys took off. Yeah. Yeah. How long was that gap then? You guess, where'd you go? What would you do? So I basically was living in California for about six months or so, maybe a year. And I thought I could, I was a bit naive with the whole build art at Burning Man thing. And I thought that I could pull off like doing a pretty decent sized project in six months and the reality of that was was uh it takes a lot more manpower than it looks and uh I just you know I probably could have swung it if I was willing to dive in really deep and hard but then also uh my husband like was taking this job regardless and I did really want to collaborate with him on the project and go back to Burning Man with him and again, this trip that we got offered to go on was really in alignment with our vision of like what we wanted to see of the US in our a conversion van and, you know, get to drive across the country twice. Go, We went up um, to Niagara Falls and then um, we took a boat actually from Toronto all the way down to North Carolina through the canals, through the Hudson River and all that. So... It was a cool opportunity that I was like, well, you know what? I'm feeling a lot of resistance around the timing on bringing my project to fruition. So I just figured, you know, I had to, you know, swallow my ego a little bit and realize that now's not the time, even though I had set a hard goal in my mind. And it worked out so perfectly because... When, and two, at the yeah. time, you guys, weren't, you guys weren't married yet. No. So that's kind of like the, kind of the beginning of a relationship. So yeah. it's kind of fun, like good way to get to know your partner it's like on the road doing cool stuff it's a good right. thing you didn't pass on that <laughs> well and you could go into a whole history of that and that could be like a whole nother episode right but i know that you went from doing long distance with uh with luke for i forget how many months immediately then to living together out of a converted van doing a whole <laughs> yeah. van life thing right yeah i mean it was lucky that we worked on lived aboard big private yachts before doing the more I mean my husband was a engineer first mate and then he became captain um I was doing the stewardess thing worked my way up to chief stew so we I was doing the yachting thing on and off for five or six years um and I always had to take the season off to go to Burning Man because the yachting season is summer and uh, Burning Man's right at the tail end of summer. So it, it was a weird balance between like working on boats and then being like, oh no, I have to like follow my dreams here and like go to the burn and build art and do all the fun stuff. Um, yeah, but we did like 18, we met in Florida and then we did like 18 months distance. And then, yeah, we, I flew to California to meet up with him and we went straight to living in our van. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. It's, now you talked about uh, you'd been to the burn already, even by the time you got to 1980, and 
So I'd like to know a little bit about like your history with the burn, because I know you've been to several burns before, of course, doing your project. You've worked on other big projects. You know, this idea kind of got birthed. Um, I don't really know the history of the process of like how that came together. You know, how did it spawn? And when, mm. when you went to Burning Man the first time, were you on a project build or were you just going to, to the burn? Because we both know there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So tell us about like your first burn and then your first time working on a big project at the burn. Right, right. Yeah. Um, when I flew in in 2013, we literally hired an RV and just went, we just winged it. We weren't part of a camp, weren't part of a build. Yeah, who was we? Uh, it was my ex-boyfriend and a friend of mine, a good friend of mine so uh, from a, Australia. A, just a few of you, like, we're going to Burning Man no matter what. Yep. Sweet. Yep, we flew over and met up. Wait, I, what year was that? 2013. Yeah, it was the cargo cult theme at Burning Man. A lot of people will remember the man that year as the giant uh ufo disc with the man on top it was a really cool build um so we just had an rv and like literally three days or something before the burn drove up to reno geared up and then went in and and had fun so you visited uh that very popular walmart yeah yeah Shout out to the people that work that Walmart 24 hour because, oh my gosh, Ah. they are not paid enough. I'll tell you that. Every burner everywhere knows exactly what we're talking about. That and and the gas station in Fernley, dude. Oh my God. Oh, Gerlach. Yeah. (laughs) So so when you went on 2013, it's you and a couple friends and you guys went. And then was that then just because... A lot of times people go to the burn, they never go back. And then even uh, repeat burners keep going, but they don't get part of a project. And I'm, I'm angling at this because just recently we've all been part of your project. So I just want to know that magic moment where you're like at the burn, you're like, I'm fucking doing something like that. Because it's one thing to kind of pussyfoot around that or even play with that thought. But it's another thing to then either get just to be part of a big build and then that could be enough or to then finally pull off your own build. So how did that mm-hmm. idea kind of like, you know, was it was it on a burn? Was it on a bike ride? Was it some special night? And be like, I think I can get into this. Right. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's funny because you hear all these videos of burners are like, oh, Burning Man changed my life. And I guess I went into it already a little bit snarky. I was like, oh, my parents are pretty hippie. Like naked people aren't going to scare me. Um, you know, like my parents one time burned Guy Fawkes in the backyard for a party just like randomly and um so it's just like I definitely grew up playing dress-ups and all the things um (laughs) but uh the thing that really blew me away at the burn was big giant interactive art like art not only you know I've been to outdoor sculpture gardens and all that sort of stuff but like art really for me changed form when I could touch it climb inside of it and also that it didn't make sense until I was part of it because a lot of art at Burning Man until you're interacting with it it doesn't make sense like it might be a sculpture that has pre-programmed lights so that if you just ride by it it's just a black blob or something and once it's like uh, camping out in the human hamster wheel that yeah, they're like, oh, wait, what? This moves? We just thought this was like a place to hang out. 
<laughs> and you're like, no, it's got a musical instrument attached to it. And if you get up with 10 other people and spin it, like, it's going to play you music from your childhood. Like, how nostalgic is that? <laughs> so once you started playing playing on stuff, and but again, it's, it's one of those things where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, um, maybe you want to lead a camp and you want to have a project or did you like, maybe I'll work on a project. Like t- take us yeah. through like that transition of how like, cause yeah. it, it's a big, like, what do I do if I want to be on a project? You know, you could volunteer, right. but how, how did you get involved with the next step? Yeah. So, um, just witnessing all that art and also Burning Man being an amazing platform that, you know, once you look on their website, like the Burning Man project, which is now a not-for-profit, um, they really support artists in any form. And so I realized, like, I found a new level of worthiness with my art. I was like, oh, this is a stage that I could actually bring art to and display and do it. Like, there's nothing holding me back other than potentially me standing in my own way. <laughs> and um, it's funny because there was one piece in 2013 that was a really popular piece and most people that were there that year definitely was in a prime position on Playa. It was a it was called Church Trap uh, by Rebecca Waits and it was a church um, being like literally lifted off the ground being held up by a, like a, a stake. It's a deadfall. Deadfall, yeah. Like a- and it had an organ inside it with all this musical, you know, paper coming out of it and pews and people were getting married in there and they were playing the organ, all this amazing stuff. Um, it's actually in a TED Talk too. Like yeah. it really resonated with everyone. And I just remember being like, that's the sort of art I want to build. Like this is so cool. And then uh, 2018, if you told me, well, if you told me back then in 2018 that I would end up meeting that artist and working on her project I would have been I would have been like no way no I, that's not gonna happen so, so so you didn't meet her in 2013 when you were no. inspired by her project no 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 it just it was I in 2018 once I got the studio here I was just doing a ton of research online and uh, Burning Man always had a, has a category of like what honoraria grant projects are coming up and you know, there's emails listed beside each art project. And I just emailed a ton of different art projects and like looked on their websites and tried to find contact info. And eventually I came across Rebecca Waits's next project. And I was like, no way, this is the lady that built Church Trap. Church Trap. Yeah. So, um, and then in 2018 um, was the year that she got an honoraria grant from the Burning Man Project to build Singularity which was a giant house in a giant birdcage, which had another house and another birdcage inside of it and another house, another birdcage, all the way down to the point of singularity. And um, so I I kind of actually got on board that project late in the game, considering some of these big projects. Are, I mean, they're applying for grants in November, the, the year before that burn. And then they find out in December if they can do the full grant. And then they're, you know getting approved early in the year and so I think it was like end of May beginning of June that I finally got a hold of them and I was like hey look you know I'm late in the game but I have heaps of time to volunteer because I was freelancing at the time and I was like I can literally come up to LA every day and help build and I just I didn't hear anything back and I had sent emails and 
almost I was like, oh no, I'm going to get ghosted. And then I finally just was like, oh, wait, Jesse's rule of thumb, less is more. And I just texted Rebecca and said, uh, what time's the next build day? And, and she wrote back 12.30 Saturday and just sent the address. And that's how I got my foot in the door. I just rocked up and, and then straight away it's like, okay, go build this, do that, meet this person, rah, rah, rah. So she's it worked a, out perfect. She's a straight shooter. <laughs> yeah, she is. Well, and that's definitely like the burner ethos is, you know, it's very all beef, no fat and just like, let's get shit done and, you know, walk in like, hey, drink a beer, but also like grab that drill and like do something. Hey, Eric, were you uh, were you two in 2013 or uh, did you? No, my my first burn was 17, and uh, and then we. I don't want to tell any of your story, but your project's that first debut that that was 19, right? When when the lens was out yes. there the first time. Yeah. And uh, did you see um, the singularity? Was that did, did, was that only one year? 2018, yeah, and then was, and then we burned. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did, I did see that. I did, it was because it was huge for anybody that wasn't out there. Like this thing was gigantic. Even if you, you didn't have to get within 200 yards of it, you could see this thing. I mean, it's literally the size of a house with a birdcage going that's bigger than that, like a Tweety Bird style, old school 50s birdcage, you know, going on top of that. Uh, so yeah, you couldn't miss it. And and Lauren's project, I actually did see before I knew Lauren because we met in 2020 here. But uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so. I guess what I'd like to hear more about, like what kind of, there's probably a gazillion experiences you could talk about from working with Rebecca and working on this large scale project, both informing you, you know, as an artist and as what you wanted to do with your own, but also just learning more about the burn, learning more, I don't know about yourself or, or whatever. Don't let me put the words in your mouth. Like what did you gain out of that experience? How did that change you? It was super easy and no trouble. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You guys should all build art at Burning Man. <laughs> um, it definitely taught me a lot. Like, um, you know, just I'm really glad that I waited on building my own project now to get on that project and just see how a 40-person crew gets managed in the middle of the desert during whiteouts and blazing heat, um, you know, and people climbing on roofs with, uh, you know, the whole safety third vibe going on um but yeah that project was awesome you know like Rebecca Waits really managed an amazing team there was uh Kevin and Sarah were the build leads on that project and uh they did an amazing job and and then we had like a solo core build crew and then we also just had some additional volunteers and uh honestly yeah building a house in the desert in five days is pretty (laughs) incredible what what would you say you found out that you did effectively that you before that you just didn't know by yourself because now having done it myself uh help help with your project in particular but like you go out there you're down and like even when you're in la and you're building everything's like kind of all right there's still some pre-burn stress but then once you're doing it like you you're absolutely gonna find out something about yourself. What would you, what would you say you found out like on that first build that, that maybe empowered you to then turn around and be like, you know, I, you know, you unlock some new levels of mm. yourself. I think uh, I really figured out that I can understand what people need, and uh, it's funny because since then a lot of people, there's been a few directors that have said like, you'll make a really good producer. Come work with me on set, and I'm like, oh okay, I'm really good at like 
translating like you know the visionary the person that's holding the vision for the project in this case Rebecca like translating their needs or the needs of the build lead to like the rest of the volunteers because somebody that's like holding the vision for a project that big they don't have time and space to really micromanage everyone and uh, I guess that would be like what I really learned about myself is that I could really like relate to everybody and be like if, if people were just standing around kicking dust be like hey yo this like slat needs to be painted or this thing who can wire like who knows how to use a drill and like task people with the right job to actually keep the ball rolling yeah that's a great answer yeah it's, it's a good uh, question based uh, me- methodology too <laughs> I haven't been subject to that myself <laughs> what else do you need to keep working <laughs> yeah. that's great or uh, knowing when to uh, tell somebody to eat a pickle and take a nap as they say at Burning Man <laughs> Yes, that's awesome. Well, um, before we get too much more into the burn stuff, um, you were saying, Eric, when you came, Lauren was already here. And you guys came, when was it, didn't, didn't, you went on your trip and then you came back around in 1980. Mm-hmm. So what year is that? Uh, I got my studio here finally in 2018. Okay, and then it was only a year later that you are gearing up to go to the burn. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in 2018 till then, like, what are the steps, like you would say, like in a, like a five-step method? How did you get your idea to like bring it to life? And it all happened here. I get to watch it. But mm-hmm. I was kind of like on the outside looking in. I had other stuff to do, but I was watching you go along that. But um, just tell, kind of share with people, like if you're going to, if you're just an average burner, if you've never been to Burning Man, you want to know what it's, what it's all about. Now, having been a Burning Man several times yourself, and then you worked on someone else's project, discovered something new about yourself, and then you're like, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And then how did you get the epiphany? Like, not only are you doing it, but this is what I'm doing. Like, tell us how that came about. Mm-hmm. Well, I got the idea for the project, uh, like I said before, in 2015. Um, and I guess we can go into that after, but I just... I was like, I have to build big art. So I started thinking about, you know, how and then what. Um, And then I actually met local Orange County burner crew before I met any of the LA burner crew. Um, And they really took me under their wing. Like they invited me to a fundraiser where I got to set up my little scale model of the project and, you know, uh, sell some framed prints to help fundraise. but the steps is basically, yeah, meet community, meet community, network. And then um, there are, like, for example, in L.A., there was this event called Blissmas, which is a L.A. League of Arts event, which is an official regency, uh, regional event of uh, Burning Man. And that's where everybody goes and, like, sets up their booth for, like, what they potentially want to build at Burning Man. So you weren't approved, but you had the idea? Yeah. So so it's, like, um, to back up a second, mm-hmm. it's, like, you have the idea, but you're not approved. But in order to get approved, you have to, like, kind of fully commit just to put it yeah. in front of people. And even then, you're bouncing it off other like-minded mm-hmm. indiv- individuals that like tell you maybe it's not going to work or you need to right. run out the idea. So Blissmas is one of those times where you're like, this is my idea. This is what I'm going to submit. Right. And how was it received there? Well, yeah, I guess I 
I missed a step because when I got back from building uh, Singularity, I did apply for the honoraria grant, which Burning Man Project grants $1.3 million a year to art that is built specifically in Black Rock City. Um, so that uh, they do a letter of intent in November. So I filled that out. I got invited to submit a full grant uh, application process where you do a three-tiered budget and it's very in-depth and then you really expand on your idea. And uh, Rebecca helped, you know, mentor me through that process too and I bounced ideas off of other LA artists I'd met uh, on the Singularity Build crew. Um, so we all applied our projects and uh, I didn't I didn't receive the honoraria grant, which makes sense. I mean, my, my project was a medium-sized project and... I mean, they'll grant anything from small to large projects um, for whatever reason. I didn't get it, and but, so but, um, for people that aren't familiar with the mm-hmm. Burning Man process vernacular, just because you don't get the honorary grant, it didn't mean that um, you your idea was thwarted. It's not going to happen. So, like, you still can do it, but you didn't get that, but it didn't stop you. Yeah, it didn't right. mean your piece didn't get accepted. It just didn't mean they're not giving you money for uh, it. Uh, well, that's cool. What, what, that's a significant point because then you not then you really got to be like, all right, well, if you were to get it, then you'd feel like, all right, I got a little wind in my sails. But then when you don't, then you really got to, you know, tighten up. Like, <laughs> do I really want to do this? Because now not only do you have to still do everything, but you got to f- pretty much fund 100% of it. Right. So tell and us that- about that one, like that transition where you're like, all right, I got a solid idea and some people, Mm -hmm. your confidants have like kind of gave you the pat on the back, like-minded individuals, but then all of a sudden you get to that point where I didn't get it. It's probably somebody you knew who who did get it or Mm -hmm. there's no time to be jelly or anything like that. You're like, fuck it, I'm going forward. Mm -hmm. How how does that change your vision? How did you like kind of uh, reposition yourself? Yeah, because basically by the time you get turned down, from the honoraria grant or you know you get accepted you're already well under the under the way with your project and that's what I learned back in 2015 was like I didn't give myself nearly enough time and so this time having already worked on another project and realizing this is a year-long process uh, I was already underway with like design and even started some fundraising and getting crew together and everything and so by the time I found out I wasn't going to receive the honoraria project I was already committed to building the project at that burn and so I just continued on with the process I was like all right well luckily we could have some fundraising events here at 1980 shout out to 1980 yes yeah they definitely sponsored the project yeah Yeah, thanks Jesse um oh thanks when she says thanks to me we mean thank the community yeah there's a lot of us here and it took a lot of us to help pull it off Mm-hmm. And, and so like now you're in the crux like you didn't get the honoraria but but you're fully committed mm-hmm. and i mean i it, from third person like to watch from a bird's eye view i saw all this happening but i wasn't as intimately involved as like i, I were i was this year when we went um so as things got closer and closer did you feel the pressure like talk about like some of the deadlines like from like a november to the next burn or whatever like Right. Um, yeah. A, a basic segments like, you know, you get to like January, March, like what kind of, you know, do you got to, you have certain 
like financial goals or like your crew goals or like, mm-hmm. and then also you guys are gonna get married so like your family's coming in. yeah so oh yeah tell us more about that like uh, round out the experience from the the mm-hmm. 2019 and uh lawrence project is called the lens perspective it, well the lens was the name of the okay. piece and the instagram handle was the lens your perspective um so yeah just start like if somebody never heard about it and they're not going to burn man but now you're past you didn't get honorary yet, but you're still committed and you're accepted what has to happen like you made the scale model you did the Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, going. yeah. So we did the Blissmas event, and that was the event that really made me realize that people wanted to see it out there. Nice. People basically get, uh, they go to this event, you get a jar of chips, and you get to walk around all night and just put chips in the buckets of the projects you like the most. And my bucket just filled right up, and everyone was like, we really want to see this out there. And that was the first grant that I received yes. for the lens, which was really cool. Um LA League of Arts has about $15,000 that they give out at that event. And I think we were like second or third on the list, which was really cool. So we received um, some money to start from that event, which is awesome. What month is that? that December. Okay. So now you're... You're past that, and then you're getting to the next year. In, in fact, that was the only 1980 uh, holiday show that I didn't attend. Because <laughs> <laughs> it it's always the same date, the first weekend in December. Um, well, it's well worth it. So from there, I got um, a grant, which then allowed me... So again, LA League of Arts, they do the official regional event for Burning Man for LA, which is up in California City. So the grant money I received from that allowed me to build the first prototype for what we coined the mini lens, which was seven panels of 27 panels we were going to build to build the full project. Um, when you say panel, um, imagine someone listening to this that has never seen the lens. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a critical time. We should probably tell people what it is. Give us some- <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone's <laughs> well, like, come on. Well, we talked about the church trap, which is a, like a giant like deadfall. We talked about singularity, which is a house inside a birdcage, which both were bigger than, than the lens. Yes, yeah, those were 40-foot projects. So give us some specs, like um, before, like the... Um, the measurables tell us the lens like the spirituals like what 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 is your idea in a nutshell yeah because i want to know how it was developed we're already talking about models and grants yeah. and i'm like wait, wait, wait where did yeah. you go she hold said, on this thing that does this thing which i'll let you describe but like i want to hear where did that come from exactly yeah, mm-hmm. question. <laughs> well before we get into the philosophical side of it basically the lens is a ring of 27 mirrors in a circle that is a faceted, fractalized infinity mirror. How big are they? Uh, they're six and a half feet by two feet. So um, there's 27 of them. So the structure was 20 feet wide, six and a half feet high. Um, from the outside, there was, you know, it was painted like... I, I took inspiration from the East Side Gallery, the Berlin Wall, because to me, the Eastside Gallery was all about like community being able to have their say towards what was going on in society. And I found that really philosophical when I went to Germany and I witnessed that in Berlin. And so um, 
I like the idea of it being this like painted mural that each person kind of got their own say, but like as a whole, it also was reflecting some sort of common consciousness or culture of, of the day. Um, and then as you walk up to the piece, you realize there's a front door, there's an entryway. And at that front door, there is a doormat that says, this is definitely not a trap door. And then as you go to open the door, <laughs> it's got a gate latch and you realize that when you turn the lock, the door is spring loaded and that when you want walk inside, like it's going to close behind you and that gate latch is going to shut and, and potentially lock you inside. And then that, that was kind of all a bit of tongue in cheek to create existential crisis because then once you get inside and you're engulfed in mirrors, a, you can't even really remember which one was the door, but if you do happen to remember, then you can walk up to it and push it and be like, oh my gosh, I can't get out the way I came in. And so, you know, you you feel like you're trapped inside. Well, and the inside of this was very well designed so that the door panel looks exactly like the other panels from the inside. There's no giveaway of like, you can see the hinges or like it's a little bit shorter or something. Like it, it looks exactly like the other 26 panels. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of subtle clues if you were really tuned in. Um, but the idea was to bring people to presence once you're, you know, at Burning Man, there's not a lot of spaces that you can literally self-reflect with mirrors. I mean, you're self-reflecting in the mind and in presence with other things and other art and experiences with humans. Um but to be confronted with like a space where you're like fully looking at the reflection of yourself, um, I just thought it would be really cool because I wanted people to explore themselves uh, when they were in their hopefully heart center. Uh, you know, when you're at the burn, you tend to be at a frequency that feels higher than maybe when you're just in normal life because um, there's experiences that are elevating how you feel and there's a lot of love and I mean there can be you know other facets of emotions and everything um but yeah I just wanted people to experience themselves from you know explore self in all the different facets um well if it um yeah. so thanks for the explanation I think that will help clear it up for a lot of people who if you guys click the link in this, the description you'll see um videos and yeah, we got pictures of it pictures of the burn. in action. And that was that was this year that, you know, I have a unique perspective because the first year when you did it, um, we did it here at 1980, and I participated in almost every level of actually helping build and provide space. And then in the end, because of a conflicting, um, I had planned to go the whole time, but because of a conflicting appointment uh my cousin matt getting married i couldn't go and i didn't get to go and it was so bittersweet but that was the first time and then so i, I just want to give everybody like a little bit of like how gnarly it was for not only did you um come up with your first uh, idea and then you got approved and then you got the chips at blissmas and got the grant and then i remember luke too like all right we got to build this thing you know <laughs> and then like I, I think i'm pretty sure by the time you guys had it built here I don't even think we erected the panels though. Like we built the ring, and you guys loaded it up, and like, and then when you left, I was like, "Wow, have fun storming the castle!" Like, you know? <laughs> and then, but also in the meantime, your family's coming from Australia, and Luke's family's going. Like, wow, like 
Now, I know you're doing your first ever major build project at the burn, but then also you're like basically going to get hitched there, essentially have a ceremony with family from multiple continents. And, um, and he pulled that all off and it's so cool. Like, it's just like, wow. And then I wasn't there for that one. So like, tell us more like how it went, like once you like started prepping and like it got real and I remember seeing like, you know, we're loading trailers and like the, the free build was on and then your family's coming in town and, and then you guys are gearing up and then take it from there. Like how did, how'd that first time go? Cause that's the initial like, Oh, like all of a sudden you're in charge. Like it wasn't Rebecca's <laughs> project or anybody else. And, the the right. fundraisers are over and the, mm-hmm. and now you're you're headed up to you know to Reno with with your your project your baby how how did how did that go Yeah, um, people thought I was crazy because I did <laughs> I did yeah. decide to do my very first Burning Man project whilst I was getting married that year and having family fly in from Australia. And from all around the U.S. Well, get, getting married at the burn. I just want to like reiterate that one more time. Also, getting married at the burn that you're building a project in at. Your project. <laughs> yeah. In the project. Yeah. Well, honestly, it was part of the reason in the back of my mind it helped me justify cost a little bit. I was like, all right, I've received some grants. I fundraised about half of the project. The project cost, I would say, ten to fifteen grand, and uh, I was like, well. I could spend 15 grand on a wedding or I could just realize this project and have everybody come to the burn, which was always also a dream of mine, like having my best friends and my family all come and like celebrate this place that I'm like completely in love with was amazing. So and you kind of forced basically like it's twofold because also you saved on the uh, efficiency, but then you like basically like, well, if you want to come to my wedding, you have to go to the Burning Man. So, <laughs> sorry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody came. <laughs> right. Yeah. Clever, clever girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, we did, um, we did uh, several fundraising events and, I got some grants from other um, festivals. There was uh, a priceless festival up in NorCal that was looking for interactive art that I applied to and I got a grant from them and installed up there in July. The That was when we fully realized the mini lens. So the mini lens is just seven. It's a smaller version of the, the big lens that we finally installed at the burn. It's seven mirrored panels in a circle. It's like a large phone booth that about, I'd say, <laughs> as many as if you're really close, maybe eight to ten people can get in there, but they made three or four comfortably, and it's a, like a um, acoustically and visually a little more impactful because it's so tight. Uh, but right. at that point, it's going to be crazy, too, because you didn't see the the big lens right. developed yet. It was actually the mini lens that really egged me on to nice. continue building the big project because, you know, there's only so much you can see in an engineering diagram, especially when mirrors are involved. But shout out to Winnie, uh, yes. Jeffrey, um, Jeff, sorry. Um, he managed to have engineering programming that uh, could could visualize what mirrors look like bouncing off each other and I just remember my mind being blown when he finally showed me that graphic I was like wait this is actually what it's gonna look like this is what I had in my mind but this is actually what it's gonna look like 
And then when we built the mini lens for Priceless uh, 2019, it was the first time we got to peel that plastic off of that acrylic mirror and get to see what what the mirrors look like in real life. And it's funny because in many ways the mini lens was more effective to the philosophical premise of the piece than the larger one was. Um, I wouldn't say it was better, you know, because they both had their own individual experiences. Like the big lens, the 27 panel version was so cool because it, it allowed people to see what their reflection, you know, into infinity was like with other people around them and how, uh, you know, each facet of ourself really is every facet of what exists in the universe. And the mini lens was more about exploring those facets of self, which was the original intention behind the project. Very intimate. Yeah. Potently intimate. People would um, people would go inside there and, and come out so happy because they're like, oh, wow, my, you know, my butt really doesn't look big in this. And, you know, I've heard all these little sayings of, or some people would be like, oh, my God, I didn't realize I was balding. And I'm like, well, sorry, that's, that's what you choose to see. <laughs> but, um, you know, people did have profound experiences in that small project. So, you know, lesson learned there was you don't necessarily have to go big to impact people or be remembered or whatever the goal is. Like that smaller project, A, it was a lot easier to move around. It was a lot easier to fund. It went to more festivals or more events than the bigger version of the project did. Um, not trying to persuade people not to build big art for the burn because that's a whole another experience in itself. But well, it's cool too because yeah. now a lot of those projects have a mini version of themselves. Like some of them don't even work. They only have to be big mm-hmm. or they only have to be small. But in, in your case, you had that scalability. It could have been like even a bigger lens. It was like 127 yeah. mirrors. It's still to work, but I saw you take advantage of that. It's, it's neat to see um, see that you get to do that without having to commit. You know, because I remember building the rings and stuff and watching mm-hmm. you guys like kind of speculate, and then it was on the trailers, and then you guys just took off, and I was like, "Whoa, how's this gonna work?" Yeah. And, and then you know, you gotta give. Uh, of course, you would uh, shout out to Luke. Who a lot of times he would just be like. I'm just building, dude. Like, I don't know. Like, but he would do it well and he'd be like, it'll probably work, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, so what What happened to like once you're going from all those smaller events where you're like, now you know it's going to kind of probably work mm-hmm. both phys- philosophically and then also like just visually. And, you know, it's a, it's a repeatable six and a half foot by two foot panel mm-hmm. that if it, if it's engineered properly, shout out to Rambo and, and Winnie, um, but then you're still on the way there with all this uh, wedding party in tow. And then how's that going? How's it different than like just driving with your friends? Like the first time you went in 2013, hiring the RV and assist you and your two mates, and you're going now. Mm-hmm. You're going all these years later with your project. It's yep. funded. You did the fundraising, and now you're now you're pulling on the playa. <laughs> how's that look? Well, the the biggest difference between working on a project and just going to the burn as a, you know, uh, just a regular participant is that you get to participate in uh, Build Week. You get a- any project, whether it be a theme camp 
or an art project or a mutant vehicle slash art car, everybody in those projects gets at least a few days early entry because you have to land on play, get yourself situated and then build whatever you've brought. Um, and so with the lens, we we would get on player four days before gates open. Um, and that's that's a really fun experience, being able to see the city like be built around you and um, really understand who's there early and, and, you know, just see everybody building. I mean, back in the day, people talk about how Burning Man's changed and this and that. One of the big differences between from what I've heard between old school Burning Man and Burning Man today is that the art actually used to get built during event week. People would show up with trailers and they would um, just, you know, even the man used to get lifted up into the air during, during the week of Burning Man. And now because it's such a huge event, I mean, there's like 70,000 people that go now. Um, They've had to regulate a few things with like making sure stuff's safe and having, you know, and the, but the cool thing about that, the cool thing about it growing and evolving is that, I mean, the art is at such a different level than it used to be. Like it's really a big scale and, um, you know, it's. So, so, so when you, when you went there and then you pulled it off, like, mm-hmm. you know, and how did it go? Like when you, when you finally had it up. The last nail was, you know, and I got to witness this this year. We had a, we had a ceremony. It was done. It was rough. <laughs> but I wasn't there in 2019, the inaugural, with your family and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm just imagining how proud you could have been, like the first time you step away and like, the trailer's not there and the, the project's done. Like, feel pretty cool. Or like, how, how mm-hmm. was that for you as an artist? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a really big deal. Oh, and that's like bigger than for me. Like, if having known like artists who've done both like, that's bigger than basil or even have something like mocha or something like that's that's real stuff because like you said <laughs> people are going to participate in it you know mm-hmm. so how, it did, was, did you get to like kind of finally step away from like all the planning and the budgeting and the transport and just be like damn right we did that shit yeah it was really special i just remember i mean yeah big shout out to my husband luke because he really did mastermind the technicality of the build um, we had a really solid crew to, uh, probably about 12 people. Um, I'll, I'll have to list the names in the, in the comments because there's too a many couple, to shout couple, out. A couple of kids are in there. Yeah, uh, I know. Even my parents came to the burn. <laughs> um, but it was really cool. I, I actually was blown away by like how exact it looked to the vision in my mind. A lot of the time, this is why I never really enjoyed, you know, never became a painter because I had a vision in my mind and I could never quite get to that on canvas what was in my mind. And, uh, I mean, I'm a graphic designer by trade, so I like the technicality of artwork and I guess it makes sense why I ended up going into interactive sculpture because I could match that same level of technicality um, not with just my skills. I'm also a huge uh, advocate for creative community and bringing people together to create something bigger than one person. And that's really what lights me up is is I know I, people kept saying, oh, this is your work. How do you feel? This is your vision. And I kept trying to say to everyone, like, 
thank you. Like, I appreciate the compliment. And also, this would be nothing without you. So, like, I was so humbled that people showed up for my vision, you know, like, even the project's philosophical background kind of speaks to my journey with finding my own self-worth and not necessarily always feeling worthy of like people's time and energy being poured into just some little old vision that I had and and doing this project and going to the burn really taught me how it can bring a lot of joy to people and bring a lot of purpose and effort and you know I was just so grateful um to have an amazing crew that showed up and my family and everything and we we actualized it like you know just the doors worked we had we had a circular structure with three doors isn't necessarily the easiest thing to build in the middle of the desert with fine dust well and that, that can we can get a little wood. bit into the uh, philosophy of it more because we told people how they can get in and how they get oh, stuck yeah. in there we didn't tell people how they get out right well yeah once you're inside and you're surrounded by the mirrors and you're freaking out. I mean, I did get told that it was a bit of a tripper trap, apparently. <laughs> There's been some stories of people like, oh, you you created that thing where I got trapped inside of for four hours. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Shout out to tripper traps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, if you, you know, the intention was that, you know, even if you were freaking out to just take a breath, slow yourself down, enjoy where you're at, look around. And then um, there were two exit doors exactly opposite to where the entryway was. And if you just pushed on every mirror, the exit doors would have swung open. They weren't locked or anything like that. But also if you were willing to look above just the general line of sight, um, because there was like a webbing of lights that hung just ever so slightly into the mirrors so that it really did transport you into infinity like the the feeling of the project during the day versus the night was so wildly different. I do, I mean, the day was cool, but I do think that that project lends itself to the night and just like the twinkliness of the lighting, like just making you feel like you're floating in the middle of the universe. Um, but above the the lighting line was like two mirrored panels that were the size of an exit sign that said choose and if people were present enough when they entered the lens, the front door, the art panel said, you choose. And so it's up to you whether you're going to, you know, go through this experience. And really so when you're loose, in... Really, yeah. really loose clue there. Very. A lot of people didn't pick up on Look, I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely curious because, I mean, thousands of people went through this thing o- over the two different years that it was installed, right? And I'm genuinely curious how many of them picked up on that. And I say that because I didn't. Until after you told me, and I helped build it. <laughs> right, right. Still yeah. Stuck, I, I remember people too be like, I'm not even going in. Not going in. Just, you know, hanging out. And I was like, you know, I give you props on that. Yeah, well, yeah, it was kind oh, of. Yeah. It's kind of a, I chose not to go in. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's kind of a Rorschach test in a lot of ways. Th- that one guy, though, who, who uh, as soon as it locked, his, his reaction, the, the knife guy, that's, you got to tell that story. That's my favorite one. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite thing the lens has ever done to somebody. My favorite thing was just to hang out at the piece and pretend I was a participant like everyone else. I wasn't really, you know, I didn't want anyone to know that I created it. I just wanted to sit there and see how people participated with it, kind of psychoanalyze. And this one guy, um, like, came in 
and the door slammed behind him and, and you could hear the, you know, kachink of the gate latch. And he was like, oh, hell no. And he like whips out his pocket knife, like flips up the knife, puts it through the crack of the door, lifts up the gate latch and just bails out of the project. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's one way to do it. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, if only he knew the intention behind the one way door was that in life, you don't really go back the way you came. I was like, maybe he's one person in life that really does always choose the path that he came from. Yeah, he's now ready for the next level. Yeah, and growing. And to, to this day, he's still going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> if he walked in this room, he'd be backwards. Let's uh, take a quick T.O. Well, welcome back. 1980 podcast we've been talking with lauren kilb here about her uh, lauren hewlin now because she got married inside the lens at sunrise which uh must have been pretty epic um definitely was we were talking about like uh the the physical and the experiences of the lens yeah kind of the community and the participation element which is huge to burning man of course and very important to you personally but we kind of wanted that egg of the first the birthing of the philosophy yes we never quite got there this is the part i'm the most interested in because <laughs> there was a time when you were like a baby who had no idea what burning man was and then there's a time when you had like oh it's gonna be a ring of mirrors this and this and this i want to know where did that like where did the possibility of creativity become inseminated with the specific notion of this project <laughs> Well, actually, I didn't know it was going to be a ring of mirrors when the concept started unfolding. Um, uh, basically, I was like, well, I guess it was mid-20s now. Um, and uh, I guess the philosophical premise goes back to like, I'm in my mid-20s. I decided to travel. I definitely was born into, you know, I... I was born into a privileged lifestyle. Like I didn't grow up with money, but like, you know, I can acknowledge that I was born into much opportunity. And um, I was, you know, going through that kind of quarter life crisis of like, all right, well, I got my first job, kind of climbed the corporate ladder and had this sliding doors moment of like, do I stay in this corporate job now that I'm making really good money at for the next 10, 20, 30 years? Or do I change do I is this is this am I getting the right job satisfaction I didn't feel in alignment with it so that's what pushed me on this trajectory of coming to the U.S. and going to Burning Man and I was soul searching and um I remember like talking to my mom about you know like well I want to give back you know I feel like when we're born into privilege we we're afforded the luxury of asking like how can I give back how can I better the world and my mum was saying, like, she kind of went through the same thing at a similar age. And she was talking to my uncle about it. And he had said, well, if you want to change the world, you must first change each man's picture of himself. And for some reason, that quote really landed with me. Um, you know, each man as in each human on this planet. And I've been like, you know... Uh, amateur learning about Zen Buddhist philosophy. I didn't grow up in a very thick religious context. So I had, you know, my parents were always like, hey, if you want to explore some sort of like religion or spirituality, like we got you, we'll 
we would do whatever and I just always resonated with like Zen Zen philosophy the most and um so that quote really resonated with me because it it made me realize that if we if we want to change the world then we you know looking at where we're at first I thought was really important because if we try and change the world without looking at our own shadows first or our own you know pitfalls or understanding where our ego is at or what we feel we need to be seen in or heard in then maybe what we're putting out there isn't as valuable as we're thinking it is maybe there is maybe it is excuse me uh, loaded with some sort of undertones that we're not aware of and and so that quote I, I morphed it into if you want to change the world you must first change the picture of yourself and that was what I was holding in my mind and I was thinking all right like some big giant mirror like just a big square mirror at the burn where you're just like almost right into it because it looks like a mirage and then I'm like, well, from an engineering perspective, there's not really that practical. There's up to 100 mile an hour winds out there. And the camp across the street would be like 300 degrees. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so I was actually just chatting on the phone with my mom late one night. Big shout out to Jill, Jillo as we call her, uh, because she was really a huge influence in like having the philosophical side of this unfold. She studied philosophy at university and so I just got brought up in a household or under a mother that taught me to ask why about everything. <laughs> why is the system that way? Why, why do we do things that way? Why do we write from left to right? Like, you know, just why, why, why? <laughs> And uh, I guess that's kind of what propelled me to become an artist because I think artists um, and creativity inherently like really makes you want to dissect why and then maybe create a new why or create a new paradigm of doing something, break all the rules. Um, Yeah, so, you know, back to like... um, Do you you think like now that you've helped us realize your vision, um, do you think the lens like fulfilled that from inception to now can kind of conclusion because after this year it, the lens is something else or like mm-hmm. you said it at the burn you're like up to this point it's all of us we built it we did it but now we're just gonna release it to playa and then that's pretty much where it's gonna stay you know um so do you think you you uh, fulfilled your vision yeah, I think so. And what made me realize that is just all the interactions that I had with people when they participated, when they went inside, had their experience and came out and shared their story. I was like, wow. Like, that's what made me realize that art has a huge important role in society. And it not only gives people hope, it gives people a birthplace for new ideas. And, you know, like, I think Burning Man actually uh, cops a little bit of criticism, like, oh, you know, things are getting burned, it's not so great for the environment, this and that. And I always like to say to people, well, what if the answer to, you know, cutting down trees and burning them is only available when you're witnessing a tree burn? And that's kind of like a little bit Carlos Castaneda, Teachings of Don Juan, style philosophy 
Um, but also, uh, actually, I had, when I was burning Singularity, um, I got the honor of being on the core fire crew and I was talking to the chief of fire and he was saying that the reason he thought fire was so important at Burning Man is because it does impart this really deep, you know, ritual, like feeling a ceremony. It brings the community together that, you know, Burning Man can be very chaos and there's experiences happening all over the place. And then when the man burns, it brings everyone together as one. And it's this huge monumental experience where there's there's no hierarchy, there's no you know one music stage is better than the other it's like everybody's around the man and we're watching the man burn it's the same temperature for everyone (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's a huge celebration and you know that's kind of you know links back to like what it feels like being inside the lens is that when you're in there there's no hierarchy you're just in there with maybe five maybe two people maybe five people maybe 40 people and and everybody's you know visual it just you're all melted into one and um you know that was part of the intention behind the project is just for people to see how their role in this life like has a much deeper ripple effect than they're usually willing to give themselves credit for i think you pulled it off <laughs> thanks <I'm> seconded <laughs> I wanted to ask, I mean, one of my um, really important intentions behind the project was I wanted the symbolism to speak for itself, you know, because some people can see it as simple as like, oh, it's just a ring of mirrors to play inside of. And then other people really went deep because the artwork on the outside of the project also had philosophical quotes. So um, some artists, I collaborated with, you know, uh, I would say, well, at least 27 artists from Location 1980 and their greater network. Um, and I curated some of the quotes and then other artists were really inspired to bring their own quote into the mix. And the whole intention behind having the quotes on the outside was so people would, you know, start getting into that uh, self-inquiry mindset. And there was also an audio component on the outside that has like talking books and TED Talks and Alan Watts and Phyllis, you know, Carl Jung and all sorts of stuff and I, I I would always people would say tell me what your art means and I was like I would always say to people well you tell me what it means because that's way more fun number one and also I get to learn that way like when people are telling me what they're getting out of the project it's it's teaching me what life wants to teach me and and that's really where I found most of my joy so I'd love to ask you both of you what um, your experience was or what you got out of it well, that's before I answer that, which I'm excited to. Uh, I got to say that that answer that you give to people, where you're like, "Well, why don't you tell me what it means?" Um, is is so amazing because it's obviously so genuine, and I realize you're coming at that independently. And you know, Stanley Kubrick, basically the most badass filmmaker of all time. That's people would ask him that about 2001, which I think is like the most perfect movie ever, uh, constantly because they could tell it was like an offering of something that seemed profound and significant and possibly even universal. Uh, but they, it's like they wanted to make sure they got it, you know, and like the film didn't deliver for them unless they got it. And they would ask, so they'd ask the creator, like, what's it mean, man? And that was his exact same response, was like, why don't you tell me? Like, my job here is not to write a roadmap that if you don't get, then the film failed and you don't get it. Like, my job is to make the film. 
it's to make the art piece it's to ask the question and then and it, it is literally a reflection you know in your case it's a very literal reflection <laughs> it asked uh they asked bob marley that one time there's a youtube or any number of like documentaries but it was some british reporter and he's like he's like so what 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 did the performance mean bro bro and he's like going on and on this is after the stage bob's like sweating and he's like uh obviously like on a spiritual another level and he just looks at this guy and he's like he's like i i just did it like you asked me what it meant he's like that was the concert that's that's what it meant you just saw the whole you were there show. yeah and he's like that's it like there's no way there's no reason to interview a performer after the performance so. yeah if i could say it any better i would be saying it but i couldn't that's why i made this thing that's why i went to exorbitant effort first of all you have to be born again um i think of uh in the mini lens right which we've talked about you know with the big lens right you got 27 panels so that means the the angle between each one is what like like less than 20 degrees or something it's it's a very broad slow sweep of a circle real quick eric uh let's let's rewind a sec so your first experience of the lens was here was with the mini lens built here okay because because uh, when I was on Playa in 19 uh, and then of course later here I met Lauren did I you, did I, you see it in 19 half because wow. when she when, when I found out that my neighbor and you know now here best friend created this thing I was like and showed pictures I was like ah I saw that thing but I was never inside it on that first burn. I saw it in the distance because I remember it was placed deep that first year. Yeah, it was deep. And wow. then when I found out what it was, I was like, oh, man, I was so disappointed. So my first experience of, real, uh, of really doing it, really getting inside it, was uh, was here with the mini lens, which we had up for like a good six months probably, uh, or more even, in the lead up to this uh, 2022 burn. Well, when did we go? Was that last year? <laughs> yeah, 2022. Time or um, <laughs> and that fundraiser party was pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, and obviously we had we had it there for everybody to go into, but uh, with with other events going on at the gallery, you know, we had it there, and so a lot of people got to go through it here, and we would spend a lot of nights like I'd wrap it in there, or if I was the last one leaving in the end of the evening you know, just pulling a late night making stuff here. Like, I'd go to the bathroom on the way back and just pop in there and spend a minute or two alone. Pull it out. <laughs> it's, things have been pulled out. Uh, no, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've made out inside of it. I've gotten ripped inside of it. I've introduced it to so many people. I've, I've taken people who were here for, like, a figure drawing or something, and, you know, they see the outside, and then I do my kind of, like, Willy Wonka move where I open the door, and just present and let, and they're like whoa and then they go inside and it doesn't the the trick there's no trick but the the magic is a far better word um doesn't fully activate until that last panel is closed because there, there can be a few reflections but you might be seeing out that door and once it's closed then you've got this fully contained uh situation that creates the infinity and so as soon as that door closes i can hear him inside <gasps> You know, just all these different reactions. And uh, and that, that mini one, right, because you only got seven, now it's like a way sharper angle between them. And so it's tighter, it's more intimate, and the way it's fractalized, I don't know, it just hits in a different way that I think is a little easier for me to interpret 
and and you can see more of your infinities closer right because like every mirror is like looking into another universe where there's a you that writes with the left hand and then the next one over it's another and then a third and a fourth and on and on and you get to see a lot of those in really close proximity in the mini one and uh i don't know if you ever read the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy right but with the hilarious brilliant book that's about a lot of the kind of things that you're into you know with eternity and what are we doing and be present and all of that uh choices we make they uh this one character is put into this torture device that some alien civilization created and it was considered the most heinous torture ever invented right because what it does is it shows you with perfect perspective the significance of yourself in the entire cosmos and when people are breached with this insignificance it's just like a horror they can't come back from right but this dude his job is to save the universe it's what ends up happening to him and so the machine has no effect on him because he actually is the most important guy in the entire universe and but that notion of just this like focus of the entirety of reality that's ever been and happened just like on you that's kind of how i feel inside that thing which obviously i say with the most endearment you know it's just like the totality being repeated and laser focused back on you through not only myself but through the other people that i bring in there and like what is created within it and it's 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 a wild humbling humorous it's a very interesting experience it's uh very fitting you brought that story up because uh pre-build i got triggered into a panic attack watching that exact film <laughs> and i didn't even understand the meaning of it until now you're just telling the story and i'm like Oh, I must have been integrating some big philosophical pieces <laughs> on some subconscious level because the movie was like we had just come back from the 2018 burn and, you know, our nervous systems were probably already pretty maxed out and we were trying to, like, relax watching this fil- that film, The Hitchhiker's Guy. Yeah, which was, like, such and an I'm insulting like, movie. <laughs> turning the film. I'm, I'm like, I have to go for a walk. I need to, like, switch my mind off. This is way too much. <laughs> so thanks for sharing that that makes perfect sense now uh uh my pleasure uh jesse i mean same same prompt man yeah i have like a a twofold uh response like uh because like i said before i was privy to see the lens get birthed here in 1980 and uh and then be bittersweet because the first time it, it went i was truly like supposed to go the whole time you know and like to have uh get help work on it and then not get to see it fulfilled or not be present on playa and i had only been at burning man once before in 2015 where i didn't i wasn't part of a project i just was kind of there my rookie season and so when that, that happened and, and you guys came back and then like oh how'd it go i went great and, and then uh and then the fact that you were going to do it again. And then this time I was like, especially with COVID, I was like, fuck, fuck it. I'm all in no matter what. It's an absolute priority. <laughs> and uh, and we did. We did uh, more fundraising and tighten it up. And, and especially I see it, I, I don't know, maybe, I don't want to speak for Luke, but twofold answer. First answer would be, um, like Eric said, I got to see and witness, especially here, because it's my normal stomping ground, to watch normal people at an art show go into the lens who never are gonna be burners. They don't even know what Burning Man is. They just think it's like a phone booth with mirrors. 
But then it hits them. And, and like Eric said, because of the proximity, you're only on the outside of the door. So you can hear them very intimately. And you can hear that aha moment. And we talked about that in the last episode. There's different reasons for hearing aha moments. But when you hear, like, literally, people go, oh, fuck. Like, they're... And, you know, and it, it, it goes from, like, a, a selfie booth to, like, people, like, don't stay in there for nothing. It only takes, like, another minute. And they're, like, uh, more effective potently by it. And that's just my experience watching other people. And then myself, it's like, you know, uh, for me, the mini lens was a little more... Uh, something maybe I hadn't seen, but uh, a little more. I, I needed the full experience to go to the burn. So aesthetically, right. once we got out there, let's just skip my second half of the answer is coming. But my first half of the answer is, let's say the lens is built and we're on the playa and you get to go in there. And we had the closing ceremony and it was everybody who built the lens. And then Lauren gave us a really cool speech. And it was like after working so hard and like, just at the, you know, uh, a lot of some people may have, may or not ever worked this hard under these circumstances just to do art. Like it's one thing you got to build a railroad because you need a railroad, <laughs> or you got to build a driveway that because you got to get to the other side of the river, or whatever it is. Like this was like we have to build this art to like build this art to like take people to this philosophical journey. This is a bridge. It's a vortex. It's a it's a spiritual thing. And then, but Lauren had a, like a tight rain on it up until that point. And then we were all in there together and then we had to let it go. It was very beautiful. She was like, up to this point, it's all about us and what we're doing to like get it to this point and get it built. And then she's like, now we're letting it go to the playa. It was very beautiful. Like that was after, you know, being there for another seven days or whatever. Like I went to and witnessed people uh, experience the lens without them knowing like, oh, I helped build it and, and I have a couple panels on it and uh, I also like help do the fundraising and none of that just completely avoid ego just I'm just watching you experience and and then you do it and you're like oh it's cool and it's like it, it's just something different for everybody but it couldn't get, be more for me than all of us in there just in uh, uh, Lord's word just releasing it to play and like it's like not necessarily throwing it to the wolves but like just like we're out of control like at this point, the reins are off, and here we go. And that was a very beautiful moment. And I didn't really get a chance to be in there, I don't think, ever by myself. So, and not that I, I don't think I would even want to, or that hmm. I don't think it would, it would always mean more to me to be with a group or be with a group, especially who built it. Um, so, that was the first thing aesthetically, just to see us all in there. And like, that was a good vibe, let alone look up and see that expand it into infinity and it was just uh that's a tear-jerking moment in my life forever it was great and the second thing i would say is um something like that like especially if you've been on playa or if you've been to um anywhere there's big art outside you you walk up you see it and you're like oh it's cool like it, in palm springs there's you know a 30 foot uh Marilyn monroe you know and you're like oh it's just oh, it's cute let's take a selfie or whatever but it's like and that, it, my, my point is the logistics of having to have all the engineers, the, you got to have the idea, you got to have the uh, connections to make it happen on paper to inspire you then to do it. Like when he did, like you saw his 3D graphics that like then sparked it, like it sunk a, 
tentpole in your mind like yeah i see it and then and then just after that everything that has to go down and like um having seen it built here and then in 2019 and not not get to go participate that and then in this year having to go help be like i was second lead or whatever and like lauren put us in charge and worked her magic to like make us do the work and like i would say that as beautiful as anything could be like you can't you can't discredit the hard work and uh, the logistics of having a trailer and the two bars and the home depot runs and the screws and the guns and the chargers and uh, the outthinking the elements working through it like there was a time when me and luke just looked at the oncoming whiteout and like this is as probably as good as it's gonna get let's let's snap everybody into action like right now while it's pretty fucked up and just going yep. leaning into that like for me like that's also a beauty and without all those beautifully fucked up moments because i've been on construction sites where all you're doing is building some function like you're building a deck or you're building a staircase but it really means something like if you're in alaska and then that's all you need is that dock to get to your boat to then provide your family livelihood so you can go fishing. It really does mean something, but you have to build it. It's more like ancient, ancient uh, civilizations. You know, like they they would build stuff with the earth more in mind. And so, like, I see the beauty in like, and having that killer idea, but it takes all those steps to get it there, and all those steps are to be discounted. You can't just mm-hmm. walk up like this is bitch and like you see people like oh, you know and then they just dismiss her right by like i'm not even going in that's cute or whatever and you're like ah, and i know that from being our uh owning an art gallery like you see people though like oh it's like a 30 by 40 painting it's got this image and they walk on by but something like this is like no you understand man like it took some serious blood sweat and tears <laughs> and it went out that with so many people the whole community uh, people that donated hundreds of dollars that never even stepped foot, didn't see it, they just only saw it online. Mm-hmm. Like, th- those intangibles for me mean mean uh, everything because it's like I was down to give that to a project and it, it wasn't like my project, it wasn't my vision. And then also you got to think like if you ever wanted to have somebody donate to your project and, and then the hundreds of projects out there, like mm-hmm. you're looking at it as a whole, like as a grand oasis playground of these mega art projects in order to any of that happen it was like you know three inch screws and you know uh, <laughs> lag bolts and, and and you know goggles and safety hats and all that stuff like i just yep. want to give a shout out to like the planning and logistics and all the hard work to cut like you somebody's gonna bleed there's gonna be safety <laughs> precautions and, and somebody needs a pickle in a nap yeah and, and 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 all that has to happen in order to just only then get to the point where you enjoy it or someone else gets to enjoy it so that that for me struck the home the chord like having got all through that and then just to be like ah oh, finally just to walk in and check out these mirrors and maybe i'll find the exit sign or maybe i'll just sit <laughs> on my ass and just kick it here like fuck it like it's great and i, I really did enjoy the I didn't, uh, Lauren made a real point about that. Like, and I was actually frustrated at the time. Like we had got done and it was like 105 and it was windy and Lauren really held the reins tight. She was like, just waiting. And at the very end, we just let it all go together. It was just so blissfully, it was, it was really nice. Uh, it was good. <laughs> like it, it's, it's extremely potent. And, um, it, 
it, it's a good segue to the um, next segment. You said something about um, what do you find? What did what did what did it, the project bring out in you? And you said it was your uh, ability to find community with an mm-hmm. artist. And I think that's what we kind of share as like-minded individuals. And that's why you've been such a key element here at 1980. So if you could just maybe shift from like the lens and Burning Man and just mm-hmm. like tell us more about like how you fit in here in 1980 and like what attracted it to you. And like uh, maybe as a as an art project, just as a space, like you helped build it at this point, you know, mm-hmm. to a certain degree and like, what are you getting from it now that you're stepping away and like going on to a, a next segment? Like, how do you feel about the community here and, and where you fit in? And mm-hmm. what do you think? You know? Yeah. I mean, firstly, thank you for speaking to like all the effort that goes into these projects. Seriously. Like that's where I was so humbled the most, not from $5 donations to hundreds of dollars to everyone that attended the fundraiser or hit share or to the amazing crews both year that showed up and made it happen like again this piece is it was far beyond what I could create as a single person and I think you know as um you know even the participants they go inside you know like everything's so key and it's the same with location 1980 it's like Jesse, obviously you put a lot in behind the scenes and we all get to see the blood, sweat and tears. Um, and I guess what I was talking about earlier of like, I really am an advocate for creative community because it this place wouldn't be what it was if there weren't people coming through the doors and if each artist wasn't putting in putting their soul into whatever they're working on to then, you know, share at events, at open studios, at even the artists that attend the figure drawing and, and, you know, show their work to the models that are, you know, up on the stage who are also, you know, being vulnerable by, you know, you know, modeling and putting themselves out there and everyone gets to be seen and heard and witnessed on different levels and, to me, it's like that really, um, it creates a layer of authenticity that not all avenues in life allow us to bear. And uh, my journey here as an artist, I've, you know, it was really vulnerable at first to start be like, hey, I have a creative idea. Does it, does it have any worth in the world? Does it create value? And, you know, it just, art has a fun way of like um teaching the the person that's trying to create it what it needs to teach and uh, I feel like the lens you know being about mirrors it's like of course mirrors are going to teach me mirror theory and um it's just yeah like same with each artist like I've bounced around all these studios and talked to all the different artists and each artist has really taught me like a new way of seeing myself, a new t- creative technique. Um, you know, there's uh, there's so many names, obviously, I want to mention right now, but I feel like the people that, who they are, know who they are. Sure. Um, you know, ni- I've been here, uh, what I said, since 2018 full time, so nearly five years, and I've met 
you know, some of the closest people in my whole life. And even when my parents came and toured around and my dad's like drinking a beer with Jesse with his best mate, Steve, who's a carpenter. And they're like, and you put that wall up and you put that wall up and you put that window in and this door and they were loving it. And it really, it goes to show like how you guys have crafted this, this place to be your own. That was really fun because I I felt like, uh, I do consider you a really good friend and a sister, and like it felt like my family was in town. I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. I was like, I'm about to get the critique. Like, it, it's on now. Like, it was like a very uh, fun level of like importance. Like, uh, like oh, oh, no, no BSing now because the Aussies know how to pull it out of you. you know? like, <laughs> we're like, oh, just you know, a beer every couple minutes and show me this place. Like, when well, you're not getting out of it, you know. <laughs> But I, I do want to say, Lauren, um, so you've been here, and, um, and before you got here, we had a, it, it's pretty important to, the, to acknowledge this, we had an extremely um, masculine point of view for no other reason than there was only guys here. I mean, it was pretty easy to see, but when you came here, you, like, you almost, like, slowly shattered that, and you brought, like, the divine feminine and as much relationships that have been here, what I learned from you and, and they will go forward when you leave and tell a story like that I'll never forget is that you made me realize the importance of not just the cool individuals here or they are come or they go, but the interaction and the, the conversation and the relationship between all parties that like really, I hadn't seen that perspective yet. Like the, you made every word or conversation or hi or hug like extremely important, and we'll never forget that. And I thank mm-hmm. you for bringing that here. Thank you. Well, I mean, uh, being here has like opened my heart, really, honestly. Um, I just, I've never, I mean, I just had a, I mean, Jesse allowed me to have a leaving party on uh saturday because i'm flying back to australia on monday and it was so bittersweet because i've never seen so many people show up in love and you know receive all that love from everyone i was joking at the end of the night i'm like well if anyone feels unloved by the way just move country and you'll realize how important you are because (laughs) i was not prepared for that level of just deep connection and and it's it I do I get lost for words like it is overwhelming and Jesse you are a big brother to me and I'm just so grateful that I found this place it's been epic it's been the biggest part of my life journey so far well we're we're grateful too and we're excited that you might have like a inkling or notion like maybe you want to do something similar or like uh, you have your own oh, version yeah. of uh of a art uh creative community in in perth like get ready australia and lawrence yeah i want i mean you have you've inspired me that um you know not only can i do it but also i want to because it's just so fun to have such amazing community around and just to see how it impacts everybody on a daily basis like every single person that walks in this building is just like oh my gosh, this is amazing. I've been looking for this. I don't know how I didn't know it was here. And, um, you know, that really has inspired me to try and create a sister place in Australia. I want to 
create an artist in residence program and, and a retreat center and and we'll definitely have the location 1980 network flying out to aussie absolutely <laughs> but, and then uh you guys met here eric so what do you think uh Lauren's impact on, on you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and, and keep the answer under three hours. Uh, I mean, when I first got this place, and like we talked a little bit in the last episode, that I had always had a artistic temperament. I'd always been creative. I got brought up spending a lot of time with my family in galleries, museums, whatnot. Um, but I'd never really done like production of art other than like drawing in my sketchbook, you know, just crude and basic and or like a high school class, you know? And when I first got this place, when I walked away from shaking your hand and giving you the money, I was fucking thrilled. I was like, Oh, like I got my own art studio. It's this big ass room. And like, you know, like this coveted cool spot. And, and I was just ecstatic. And then I woke up the next morning and I'm like, all right, that was awesome. That was greatest accomplishment for yesterday. Now I got to live up to that. I got to prove that I actually deserve this thing that I have somehow managed to bullshit my way into. Yes. <laughs> you know, which is like a little, as I say, a little bit what it felt like because I hadn't really produced much. And so at the beginning, I was really locked in here, like doors closed. I'd be hard at work. You know, I don't have to come through the front area and see everybody else the way some of the studios do to get in here. I can like kind of clandestinely come in the back door and I was not nearly as extroverted and comfortable or any of these things that like different guy than I am now. And one time, I don't know how it started, but Lauren, you and I get into some conversation uh, just like, I think we happen to be coming in our doors that are right next to each other over here at the same time. How you going, mate? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I'm all edgy and I'm in that mode that I used to have of like, okay, how do I survive this conversation and make it go on as short as possible? Because the more lines that come out of my mouth, the more likelihood my foot will be placed in it. Like that was my <laughs> MO from ages, you know, five to 28 or whatever it was I was when I got this place, 29. And we just kind of one sentence came after the other and we just, and then you invited me in to see your studio and we're starting talking about philosophy books like just kind of general what we like doing about art like why we do it and next thing i know it just suddenly dawns on me like yo we've been talking for about two hours and I don't really feel nervous at all. And it feels weird because <laughs> that was not normal for me at all. But I was just like, this could keep going. Like, I'm not trying to get out of this. I'm just, I don't have anything else to do today. I can keep talking as long as till I got to go to bed, you know? And that was absolutely the start of something that, like I said, we could go on endless rep repetition of stories, <laughs> some of which people might actually like to hear. Um, but what are you gonna miss about Lauren? It's uh, there's nobody. Yeah, thank you, because I was I was struggling. I'm like, man, how do I condense this? I don't know if they can catch the blushing on the camera because I'm covered. Yeah, in I know. Red I hope, I hope, I hope the but... HD is working. I'm redder than usual in here. Um, there's nobody on the face of this earth that I have more honesty and less fear with, and more truth that I'm able to be more true. And you once said to me that you feel like with me, like that I know 
one of the truest Lorens that anybody else has known. And absolutely, you know the truest Eric that mm. any human be- being, breathing or otherwise, knows. Yeah. Here, here. Cheers. Oh, all the love. <laughs> That's what this place uh, really builds, is love and acceptance. And actually, that was the intention with the opening ceremony of the lens last year was to everybody to feel love and acceptance we and kept that cd yeah did, you, did, did it make it through the burn yeah the um the floofy that like marks where the project is gonna be at burning man they leave a little cd with a with a floofy. hammered in the ground with a pink fluffy thing on top and uh it's called the floofy yeah, I'm going to frame that. Yeah, that that was one of my favorite moments. I would say tied tied for first cuz we also a friend a friend of all three of ours uh who also both used to be artists here got married during that burn. So, with that, <laughs> it's tied for that was my favorite moment of the burn is when we wrapped up the project. And we had to earn it. it. We had to earn it. And we were done 7 minutes before opening. <laughs> It was 11.53 p.m. Saturday night. Burn starts on Sunday. Oh, yeah. I pride myself <laughs> on having my projects done before midnight. Yeah, which they want everybody to do and what, like, 40% of people do, if even, uh, like, 20, you know? This year they were even saying, like, the weather's so bad. Like, if you have to build into Monday, it's fine. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, time. no. <laughs> Saturday midnight. Yeah, no, we, we, we nailed it on time. And there was that whole opening ceremony where just... You addressed every single person in there, you know, individually for their contributions and significance. And like you guys said, we, we blessed it and yeah, we man. walked out the door and gave it to Ply. I do uh, recommend and urge you guys, if you're listening to this, uh, check the comments. Uh, we'll list all the links and stuff. There's plenty of pictures that back up everything we're saying as far as like, we were there, we did it, it happened, <laughs> and, and thousands of people per day like interacted checked it out and it happened but but also that that's just a burn and like in 1980 also same thing thousands of people came and went even the 80 people that were here the other night for your going away party <laughs> you're in luke's going away party um it was so real and so cool and it was a it's a great synopsis of of like you stay connected with people like a lot of times because I'm in uh, the catbird seat here, I have to do it. I have to keep, I have to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes I have a macrocosm. Like I'm just like, well, it's next because it's just that's the necessary means. It has to go. But like the people that showed up, like you're saying, uh, all you got to do is leave country and you'll find out. But like, you surprised me. Like the people that came through, like it was just really thick of the fabric of the last few years since you've been here today. and mm-hmm. nobody didn't show up and it's super fun and <laughs> yeah, every room in here was filled up all night yeah that was a good time there won't be a link and you can't see any of those pictures <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I there may have been around. a koala onesie in the mix too but uh, that one's <laughs> definitely not for youtube <laughs> <laughs> well we just want to say thanks from the bottom of our heart, Lauren and Luke, who's off camera. I'm so stoked you guys have been here and given all your energy to this place. Um, 
you might be in Australia, but your energy is still here. It reverberates. It always will. I've learned a ton of lessons about, you know, stopping, smell the roses, say hi, and make a hug, mean something, and uh, and don't just say hi. Like, say hi with a with a pertinent question mark and listen. You know, mm-hmm. And um, that that won't go away just because you're on a plane and you're a few thousand miles away. Like it's still here. So uh, just know that without even having a, a, I don't think you. I'm trying to think that. I don't think outside of a photo. I don't. I don't think you have like an actual piece of art here. Really. Uh, no, just just the quote from the lens and the yeah. hanging in the one of the bathrooms. I, well, I would say that it's even more important because without even a visual, like um, something that's just on the wall could like get shaken off in an earthquake and go in the dumpster in the alley and burn away. But the emotion and the spiritual awareness that you've taught me and I've got to experience with you will forever be with me and it will help influence what we do here. So thank you for being with us. Mm, Thank you, Jesse. And I just want to say that without the solid groundedness of you willing to show up every single effing day, like it wouldn't happen. Like you were away doing one of your epic art quests for a few weeks one time and the energy is different here. Like everybody's like, kind of weird and chaos whatever and we're like kind of put two and two together and like oh yeah jesse's away and there's like you know like maybe some people walk through the alley that when you're here like you've got this tight bubble that like of safety and i just want to you know appreciate that and extend my gratitude once again because none of this could have unfolded without you so thanks bro yeah cheers cheers mate and thanks to Eric for always being uh, emotional support right at the opportune time. <laughs> <laughs> well, bon voyage. Uh, bon voyage. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, cheers, mate. Aloha, <laughs> means goodbye. Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs>